Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. My name is Brad, and I'm one of the pastors here. Young disciples and Antioch kids, you're staying in the gathering today. So I want to invite you to go over and get a guide on the table if you haven't already. There are guides for you over there along with crayons if you'd like to follow along. Adults, no shame in your game if you need to go get one too. I promise you that it's going to be short and sweet this morning. So open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. That's on page 807 if you're using one of the Bibles in the chairs. While you're turning there, I want to give out some thank yous. Um, There are some folks who have worked really hard this weekend. Um, When it's been a really hard time to give sacrificially, Uh, we're with our family, we're doing our traditions, and yet uh, these folks have worked really hard to make last night and today possible. So first of all, I just want to thank Aaron Kiefer. Let's give it up for him. Pastor Aaron. Brother put together two worship sets for us uh, yesterday and today. And today you can see is leading um, by himself. So really grateful for you, brother, and for the sacrifices your family has made to to allow you to do that and serve us with joy. Also want to uh, give it up for Timothy Wallace in the back. Give it up for Timothy. Timothy not only made sure that the building was ready for these two gatherings, which if you haven't noticed, in the middle of an Arctic tundra is a hard thing to do, but he did that, had it nice and warm and cozy and plowed for us. But also he's pretty much, I don't know what he hasn't done this weekend, he's like ran slides, uh, projected the live stream, he's running sound, he's pretty much doing it all back there. So Timothy, thank you very much for sacrificially giving to make this happen. And then finally, uh, Sharice Payne, where are you at? Let's give it up for her. So Ms. Sharice has uh, helped to put the hospitality together for last night and today, and that's no simple thing because, one, we usually have a group of people who does that, but she's done most of it by herself or gathered a few of you all together here and there and put out all these candles and then put them up after the gathering. So thank you much, Sharice, for, uh, for serving. And Mona, she's pointing at Mona, giving some cred to you. There are other folks as well who have served to make this weekend possible. Thank you so much, but I wanted to give a shout out to those three folks. All right. Oh, yeah. You haven't heard the sermon yet, so you better, be, you better wait. You better wait. So let me, let me ask this question before we read our text. Kiddos in the room, how many of you have a little baby or a brother, a little baby brother or sister, or have had a little baby brother or sister? You remember? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. Okay. So, if you were bringing gifts to a little baby, what would be a really silly gift to bring to that baby? Really silly one. What'd you say? Gold? Why would you not give gold to a baby? They could choke on it. That's a good point. Yeah, what would be another silly gift to give to a baby? A VR. Why would that be silly to give to a baby? Yeah, they can't hold the controllers. They have no idea. We might scare them to death. What's going on? A computer. Why would you not give a computer to a little baby? They would get electrocuted. That's totally true. And they drool on it, just zap, they're gone. Yeah, okay. Well, all right. We're going to stop there. Can't, can't get any better than that. So, uh, okay, mama's in the room. Mama's in the room. What kinds of gifts would you bring to a little baby? A what? 
A book. Why would you bring a book? All right, go ahead and have that baby starting to read. You can read that baby, that book. What else? A diaper. A diaper. Are you a mama? You know, man, I'll tell you what, but you know, that was a good one. That, you stole that one from some mama in here. Why would you bring a diaper? Oh, you don't have to answer that, or we don't need to know. Okay, what were you going to say? A blanket. Why would you give a baby a blanket? To keep a baby warm. Babies like to be warm, especially when it's negative five degrees outside, okay? That's right. So these are great, great gifts. Kids, I want you to take notice. Mamas know best, don't they? These mothers, they know how to give good gifts. And this month, we have admired, admired the mothers of Jesus who are mentioned in Matthew's genealogy. And as we come back to that one last time today, I want you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. God's Word that we're reading today is from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. We've got it here on the screen. You can follow along there. Church, hear the Word of the Lord. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them, until at last it came to rest over the place the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Church, the Lord has spoken to us. Let's say this together. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So as I said earlier this month, we have admired the mothers of Jesus who are mentioned in Matthew's genealogy. But one thing about them that we haven't discussed is that all of them are or are associated with Gentiles. Young disciples, that's a word that you need to write down for your guide. Gentiles, G-E-N-T-I-L-E-S, Gentiles. What are the Gentiles? I remember growing up in church... The preacher would talk about Jews and Gentiles. I was like 25. I still didn't know what Jews and Gentiles were. It didn't make any sense. So the Jews or the people of Israel were God's chosen people. They were supposed to have this really close relationship with him such that they could show the world who God is like and that they could come to know him as well. Now, if you were not of the people of Israel, the Jews, you were the Gentiles, that's a word for all the different people in the world who were not of God's chosen people. And so, 
All of these mothers either are or are associated with Gentiles. Now you would think as Matthew writes this, primarily focused toward Jewish readers, he would mention the famous Jewish mothers of Jesus' genealogy. People like Sarah, Rebecca, Leah. And yet, it's not them he mentions, is it? It is Tamar, a Canaanite Gentile. Rahab of Jericho, a Gentile. Ruth, a Moabite, Gentile. And Bathsheba, who was married to a Hittite, Uriah, a Gentile. And so, we should be curious and ask why. Why does Matthew do this? Well, my answer this morning is to show us that even though Jesus came as the King of the Jews, God's plan was for all people to know Him through Jesus Christ. He keeps this theme going in chapter 2 when he tells the story of the Magi. We read in verse 1, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now who exactly were these people? Well, it's translated here in our text, wise men, but the word itself is often magi. This is a word that means magician, sorcerer, wise person. Okay, so young disciples, you'll need to write down one of those words. I'll let you choose which one you use. The magi, you could say, were either magicians, sorcerers, or wise people. Isn't that crazy to think about that Matthew is literally writing about I don't know, magicians, sorcerers, wizards, so to speak, coming to visit Jesus of all the people who would. I mean, if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, just imagine like Gandalf and a few others who look like him rolling up to visit Jesus, okay? It's crazy. These were the most learned elites of their culture. These were priests slash philosophers slash astronomers. And they were compelled by a star. This is what originally motivated them, but it also would have been true that they were compelled by a prophecy. It was common in ancient days that the birth of a great king would be associated with some sort of great astrological thing happening. And so they were hearing this prophecy, seeing this star, and wondering what was going on. Now we often think of this in terms of they just followed the star right to Bethlehem, but that's not what the Bible just told us. The word of God was what guided them to Bethlehem. They came to Jerusalem. The star got them that far. But they inquired of the people of God, the people of Israel, where is this king going to be born? And it's the word of God that's quoted that points them to Bethlehem. We read this, continuing in verse 3. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people... He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. And so Matthew has given us the unexpected once again. What is that? That is Gentiles drawn to the true God. 
these magi from faraway lands who are not of God's people drawn to him through a star and the prophecy of God's word. But this actually shouldn't be unexpected to us at all if we are readers of God's word. Going all the way back to Genesis 1, when God created Adam and Eve, he commanded them to fill the earth. You remember that command? Fill the earth with my glory. I want the whole world covered with my glory. And then as sin enters in and people try to make their own way to God by building a tower, what happens? God disperses them by breaking up languages, which then creates different languages and cultures and people groups filling the world. And then God follows that immediately from chapter 11 of Genesis into chapter 12, where he says to Abraham, we are told in another place, is just worshiping false gods like everybody else. This is not God's people yet. God chooses Abraham and says, I want to bless you so that through you all the families of the earth will be blessed. There it is again. And then we can follow the Old Testament and see glimpses of Gentiles here and there. By the way, these mothers of Jesus that we've preached about throughout this month, that's stacked all through the Old Testament. And then we even read this in Isaiah chapter 60, speaking of the last days. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar. And your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult. Because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring, listen to this. They shall bring gold and frankincense. And shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. If we were watching closely as we read the Old Testament, we would see that Matthew chapter 1 was coming. The Magi were coming, and they were coming from the Gentiles. And so no wonder there are Gentiles in the genealogy. It's stacked throughout the Old Testament. And no wonder there are Magi, of all people, in the Christmas story. And then no wonder we read this beginning in verse 9. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts. Guess what they are? Gold and frankincense and myrrh. Part of how the Magi worship Jesus is by giving him gifts. Now I know this morning, kiddos in the room, y'all are thinking about gifts. When is he going to stop talking so that we can go home and play with our gifts? Maybe open them if you haven't opened them or play with them if you already have. And so think about these gifts that these magi gave for Jesus the king. There's a scene in the movie, uh, The Nativity Story. I know it's not all accurate, but it's very compelling, and our family watches it every year. And one of the scenes that I love is when the magi come and set their gifts before King Jesus. And it's what they say as they set the gifts down and worship him. The first one, 
puts down gold and says, for the king of kings. Gold, you see, it's a silly gift to give to a baby unless that baby is the king of kings. Gold is fit for a king, and Jesus was that king. And then the next uh, magi comes and sits down frankincense, and he says, for the priest of all priests. Now, frankincense is a weird word. My girls like to say Frankenstein. You know, the Magi gave Frankenstein to Jesus, which is really silly to think about. Can you imagine that? Okay. But anyways, frankincense is something that I had never experienced until I was living in Africa. Africa has, where I was living in Africa, has these trees where you can kind of cultivate frankincense. It's like sap that comes from the tree. And then when you dry it and burn it, uh, um, it, it releases this amazing smell. It's just so wonderful. It's unforgettable. And so it may even be the case that the frankincense that these magi brought was from the place where I lived in Africa. And so frankincense given to Jesus because he is the priest of all priests. The, the frankincense is what priests would use to burn on the altar, to, to set forth a pleasing aroma to God, to worship him. And so this was given, it's silly to give to a baby, but it's fitting if this baby is the priest of all priests, the one who himself would be a pleasing offering given to God. And then finally, the Magi comes and sits down, myrrh, and he says, to honor the sacrifice. Now, myrrh, what is that? Uh, Myrrh is an anointing oil that was used in the Old Testament Um, when you were especially installing a priest or a king into that sacred role. And so myrrh being given to a baby is very silly, isn't it? Unless that baby is a king who is to be anointed Messiah over all people. But also myrrh is what was used to prepare Jesus' body for burial after he died on the cross. You see, even though Jesus was born the king of kings, he laid down his golden crown. He lived the perfect life in our place, but he still chose to go to the cross, laying down his right to be king and dying in our place. And then even though Jesus was perfect, he gave up his life as a pleasing aroma. He was the priest of all priests. Because he chose to go to the cross and himself be the sacrifice that would cover the cost of your sin and my sin and all sin for all who would come and trust in him. And this is the true gift of Christmas, everybody. This is what we're here to celebrate this morning. This is what we celebrate in all of our traditions. They point to the beauty of who God is. Is. It is the gift that we can receive as Gentiles ourselves. Do you recognize that? We are not the people of Israel. We ourselves are outside of God's Old Testament chosen people. We are Gentiles. And yet because Jesus came not just for Jews but also for Gentiles, we can receive him just like the mothers of Jesus and just like the Magi. And so... Kiddos, what are some of the things that you received this Christmas? What are some gifts that you have opened, if anybody's willing to to share? What would you get? An electric skateboard. Sounds dangerous, but fun for you. Awesome. What would you get? Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. That sounds like something you would order at McDonald's, but also super fun. So I'm... 
You going to invite me to play with you? Okay. Yeah, what'd you get? A beatbox. So, I don't know what that is, but it sounds like you can drop a beat with it. Beadbox. That's different from a beatbox. Okay. Super fun. Thank you. Yes, Miss Bella? A what? A pony set. Oh, that sounds great. Yes? It was so great, you can't even speak it. A spy activity kit. All right. Whenever we lose something around here, I'm going to be calling on you and go find it. So wonderful things that people have gotten for Christmas. Isn't that great? One of the things that I tell my girls is that, hey, when we open presents on Christmas, this is just a symbol that's pointing us to the greatest gift of all. This is why we give each other gifts and celebrate. Because God gave us the greatest gift of all in Jesus Christ, who would come loving us so much that he would go to the cross and die for us and rise again so that we could be saved. And so, kiddos, as you open your gifts and play with them, remember that. And adults, in order to remind you of the greatest gift that you have ever received, instead of gifts under a tree, we have gifts on a table. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and after blessing it, he broke it. He gave it to his disciples. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And likewise, he took a cup of wine, and after blessing it, he gave it to his disciples. He said, this marks the new covenant and the shedding of my blood. And as often as you eat this bread and you drink from this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he returns. Today we are announcing that Jesus Christ is the greatest gift that we have ever and will ever receive. Amen. Amen. Our tradition here in Antioch is to come forward to break off a piece of bread and to dip it in the juice, remembering what Christ has done for you on the cross, in the empty tomb, and what he promises to do for you in his second coming when he makes all things new. If you're a baptized believer, whether or not you're a member of this church, we invite you to come and celebrate this gift at this family table. If you're here today and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, instead of coming and receiving this, we would ask you to receive Jesus right where you are. Open your heart to him and say, I don't want to live my life as if I'm king. I want you to be king, Jesus. Therefore, I turn away from my sin. I repent of that and I put my faith and trust in what you accomplished for me on the cross. And he will come and make you new, make you his. And you can receive the greatest gift of all this day. Now, before we kick this off, because we don't organize a lot of hospitality on a Christmas Sunday, I'm going to need some volunteers who are willing to come and serve communion this morning. We need like five people. Ken, you already got it? Oh, doggone it. Okay, you're ahead of me. Thank you very much. (laughs) Never mind, Ken. Sorry, man. You can just take it away from somebody if you want to. I know, I know. All right. Well, let's pray. Father, we bow before you. We thank you so much for the joy of this day, the wonder of Christmas, that we get to celebrate it. It's uh, pretty cool that it lands on a Sunday this year, which I know is abnormal for us to gather um, on Christmas Day on a Sunday, and yet there can be something special about it. Lord, I pray that we would respond to you in this moment in a way that honors you, that we would come not distracted by the many things that could distract us, but we would come thinking about the gift, the gift 
that is laid before us on this table, a reminder of what you accomplished for us, and that you want to so identify with us that you put your body and your blood as a reminder for us to take it in day by day until the day that we meet you again face to face. Lord, have your way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.